One day there was this dad who was out fishing with his son, and his son was just a real curious kind of kid, and he looked at his dad and said, hey, dad, why does this boat float? And his dad said, well, son, I, I really don't know. And then a few minutes later, he looks at his dad and says, hey, dad, how do fish breathe underwater? And his dad said, well, you know, actually, I, I have no idea. And then a few minutes later, the boy says, uh, hey, dad, why is the sky blue? And these questions just kept coming. And finally, the, uh, the boy realized that something wasn't quite right. And he said, dad, does it annoy you when I ask all these questions? And his father said, no, son, of course not. If you don't ask questions, how are you ever going to learn anything? Dads, um, do your kids ever ask you questions that you don't know how to answer? Am I the only one? Listen, this morning as dads, God's given us an incredible opportunity to teach our kids as we attempt to answer their questions, and God's given us this incredible opportunity to teach our kids by the example of our own life. And one of the most profound ways that a dad can teach his children and influence his children is by being a man of faith. The title of today's message is The Power of a Father's Faith, and this morning, as we continue the series on the life of Noah, I want us to consider how Noah's faith in God deeply affected his family. Now, when we began the series a few weeks ago, I pointed out that this story in the Bible about Noah and the ark teaches us one of the most important lessons we need to know how to live in this, this crazy, messed up world. And this story shows us God's primary purpose for our lives, and that purpose is this, to please God. That's our number one task, our number one goal, and that's why this story is so valuable, because it shows us how to live a life that pleases God. If you think about it, Noah was a man who, who knew God, who loved God, who trusted God, who obeyed God, and that set him apart from everybody else in the world. God was really disappointed in people. In fact, it was so serious that God said, hey, I'm sorry that I ever made people in the first place. But Noah was different. Instead of disappointing God, he brought joy to God's heart. So look at this question. This is actually the big question for our entire series. What can we learn from the story of Noah that will enable us to please God and bring joy to his heart? And here's what we're going to focus on this morning. This is on your outline. God is pleased when we trust him completely. That brings joy to God's heart. Now dads, when you trust God completely, that only, not only pleases God, it deeply influences everybody else in your life, especially those closest to you in your family. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to put a verse on the screen. And if you've got your Bible, you can open to the 11th chapter of Hebrews. This is a great chapter about faith in the Bible. And our key verse, in fact, this is our BBCC verse of the week, is verse 6. And it says this, and without faith, it is, and what's the next word, church? Impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he re rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now listen, this morning you may be struggling with this idea of faith. You may have some honest doubts about God. Many of us have watched events in the news unfold this week that have challenged faith in a God who's really in control, a God who cares about the details of our lives. But Jesus told us this. He said, in this world you will have what? Yeah, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. But Jesus went on to say, but take courage, take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus was pointing to a day when this curse that fell on all of creation because of Adam and Eve's disobedience, a day when that curse would be reversed. 
Jesus was pointing to a day when, when he would make all things new, a day when God will bring an end to all the violence and the suffering in this world. But it takes faith to believe that that day is coming. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. How can we be people of faith, especially in a world that often just seems so out of control? And dads, I want to talk directly to you today, and here's why. Because your faith, or your lack of faith, has a dramatic influence on your family. And what we see in the story of Noah is that his faith had incredible influence. In fact, as God would have it, his faith had influence on the rest of humanity. We are here this morning because of Noah's faith. Now, here's a question that I want us to consider. What does it look like to be a person of faith? And in particular, guys, fathers, what does it look like to be a father who is full of faith? And let me say this, um, this message is not just for dads. This is a question we should all ask ourselves. How is it possible to really trust God completely? Now, here's the first thing that I want you to see, and this is on your outline. A man of faith, a person of faith, influences the future of his family. person of faith influences the future of their family. I heard a story about this, this teacher who asked one of the young students in her class if he knew his numbers, and he said, well, yeah, my, my father taught me. And she said, well, what comes after three? He said, four. She said, what comes after six? He says, seven. And the teacher said, man, your dad did a great job. What comes after 10? He said, a jack. <laughs> now, dads, we know that we have a lot of influence in the lives of our kids. This week, I was looking at a website um, of an organization that's called the National Center for Fathering. And there on their website, they point out that nearly every social problem in America can be traced back to the absence of fathers in the home. And here's some information from that website. Children in father-absent homes are almost four times as likely to live in poverty. Fatherless children are at a dramatically higher risk for drug and alcohol abuse as well as crime. And this is on the, the positive side. Children who have fathers involved in their lives have higher grades and higher levels of educational achievement. And listen to this. Teens in father-absent homes were more likely to report being sexually active compared to teens living with their fathers. And teens raised by a single mother have a much higher incidence of teen pregnancy. Now listen, for those of you who may have come from a fatherless home, maybe this morning you're a single mom, I want you to know this, that God wants the church to be a family to you. In fact, the scripture says this, that God is a father to the fatherless. And in Psalm 27, King David says this, even if my mom and my dad abandon me, the Lord will take me up. The Lord will hold me close. So dads realize this, that your faith can have a powerful influence on your kids today, but not just today. Your faith can have a powerful influence going into the future, even when you're no longer here. I was, I was thinking this week as Father, Father's Day approached that, that I could actually hear things that my dad told me when I was just a kid. And so his words, his life, his faith continue to influence me long after he's gone. Now think about the story of Noah. His faith literally saved his family. Look at these verses. God wiped out every living thing on the earth. People, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground and the birds of the sky, all were destroyed. The only people who survived were Noah and catch this, those with him in the boat. Now who was in the boat with Noah? How many people were on the ark? Do you know? Eight people. So that's Noah and Mrs. Noah. And her name was not Joan of Arc, as some have suggested. <laughs> Just want to make sure you're with me this morning. 
And of course, he had three sons. We know their names and their wives. So a total of eight people. So guys, fathers, let me ask you this. Who has God put in your boat? And how is your faith influencing them? Now here's another thing we see from the story of Noah. The second thing, a man of faith sees what will happen because of God's power and promises. A person of faith sees what will happen because of God's power and promises. Look at this verse from Hebrews chapter 11. It tells us this. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. Now, last week I pointed out that the clear inference from the Bible is that at the time of Noah, it had never rained on the earth. God watered the earth from the ground up. So when God comes to Noah and says, hey, Noah, it's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. Did it take some faith for Noah to believe that? You bet it did. And it took him faith to build that ark to save his family. Now, here's what I want you to see. A man of faith not only sees what is, a man of faith sees what can be, what will be, because of the power and the promises of God. And dads, listen, you know, maybe on this Father's Day, um, there are things that you're really struggling with. It could be at work, it could be at home. Uh, maybe there's a health issue that you're struggling with. It could be something in your own heart. And sometimes as we struggle, these challenges seem overwhelming. They seem impossible. But what does the Bible say about what's possible and what's not? The Bible says that with God, how much is possible? Yeah, all things. And in the book of Jeremiah, there's a question the prophet asked, is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? God can do amazing things. The question is, do we really believe that? Do we believe the Bible when it says that, that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose? I want to do something right now that's going to require just a little bit of faith on your, on your part. Are you ready? I just want you to trust me and close your eyes. Okay? Have your eyes closed? All right, I want to ask you a question. How many of you believe, don't open your eyes, you can just nod your head or raise your hand, how many of you believe that in my hand right now, I'm holding a FSU hat signed by the legendary coach, Bobby Bowden, that I met with my son? How many of you believe that? Okay, open your eyes. Believe it. It's right here. Okay, this is a hat that was signed. It says right here, Bobby Bowden. And it was a great father-son experience for me and my son, John. Now, here's what I want you to realize. With your physical eyes... You can see physical things that are visible and you believe they're real. Right? Makes sense. Now think about what happens in the spiritual realm. With spiritual eyes, you can see spiritual things that are invisible and yet you can believe they're real. And I believe that's exactly what the Apostle Paul has in mind when in the book of Ephesians he prays for believers, people like us, and he says, God, open the eyes of their heart so they can see the hope to which you have called them. God, open the eyes of our heart, give us spiritual eyes so we can see this, this mighty power that you have for everybody who believes. And church, realize this, it is faith that connects us to the power of God. And we see that all the time in the Bible. In the New Testament, there's story after story of these people who come to Jesus to be healed, and why are they healed? Because they believe that Jesus can heal them. It's because of their faith. What about this, the time that, that Peter tries to walk on water? Is he able to do it? Yeah, for a little bit, right? Why? Because of his faith. He really believes that Jesus can enable him to do the impossible.
So Daz, let me ask you this. Do you have any, any faith stories in your family? Those times where it seemed like it was impossible, but God came through? It seemed like there was no way, but sure enough, God made a way. I want to encourage you to do this. This is something that I'm working on right now for our family. Write down those faith stories and talk about them with your kids. And you know what will happen? They'll talk to their kids about those same stories. And that's exactly what happens in the Bible. Isn't that how it works? One generation tells the next generation about the mighty acts of God, these incredible stories. And dads, let me encourage you to do this. Tell your kids about the stories in this book. Tell them about Noah and the ark, the real story. Tell them the story about this teenage boy, David, who takes on a giant named Goliath. Tell them about Daniel and the lion's den. Tell them these stories because as you do, your kids are going to come to understand there is a God who can do impossible things if we really trust him. Now here's another, another thing we see from the life of Noah. This is the third thing on your outline. A man of faith seeks to obey God completely, completely. Here's a verse we looked at last week. So Noah did how much? Everything exactly as God had commanded him. Now, last Sunday we talked about why obeying God is such a big deal, and we saw that there are some very important benefits to obeying God. For example, if you're a parent, why do you have rules for your kids other than to keep your own sanity? Why do you have rules for your kids? Yeah, okay, to protect them, and why do you want to protect them? Because you love them. And think about God. Why has God given us commands about how to live in this world? Same reason. He wants to protect us because he loves us. And his love does protect us, if we listen, from the consequences of wrong choices. How many of you are familiar with a song called Awesome God? Anybody know that song? Okay. Um, can you say the lyrics with me if you know them? Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love, our God is an awesome God. Now think about, think about this. Do you believe, I mean really believe that God loves you? Okay, see, if you believe that, then you believe that God wants what's best for you, right? Makes sense. You love somebody, you want the best thing for them. Do you believe that God is all wise? See, if you really believe that, then you believe that God knows what is best for you. He doesn't just want it, he knows it. Or how about this? Do you really believe that God is all-powerful, that he is omnipotent? See, if you believe that God is omnipotent, all-powerful, that means he can do what is best for you. So connect the dots. Follow the logic. If there's this God who wants what's best for you, a God who knows what's best for you, a God who can do what's best for you, shouldn't you trust him completely and do what he says? It really does make sense, doesn't it? I think about the mission that Jesus has given to the church. When he called his disciples together, when he's on his way back home to heaven, and he says, listen, this is what I want you to do. Go into all the world and make what? Make disciples. And how are we supposed to do that? Teaching them to what? To obey everything that Jesus has commanded. Now, what are some of Jesus' commands? And he told, yeah, love. Love God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. That's the greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he talked about the love that we should have for our brothers and sisters. He talked about serving one another and encouraging one another and praying for one another. And Jesus also told his disciples this, I want you to be my witnesses in this world. I want you to tell people about the hope that you have. 
And that brings us to this next principle that we see from the life of Noah. A man of faith, a person of faith, shares his faith with others. We have a privilege, an incredible privilege, and a responsibility to share our faith with others. This past Monday night, speaking of privileges, I had the, uh, the privilege of leading a discussion with our high school students, and I asked them this question. In fact, this was the same question I asked the adults on Wednesday night. I said, how is the ark like the church? How is the ark like the church? Now, let me just ask you that same question and kind of direct your thinking. What happened to the people that were outside the ark when the flood hit? They got wiped out. They died, they drowned, they perished. What was the only safe place to be when the flood hit? Yeah, inside the ark. Now, think about this. The Bible says that there's this future judgment of God coming. Do you believe that? You see, the Bible tells us that it's inevitable. It's just like the flood that came during Noah's day. Once God promised it was going to happen, it was going to happen. So when this future judgment of God comes, what's the only safe place to be? Yeah, inside the church, this family of God. That's the ark that protects us from this coming judgment of God. Now think about this. How many doors did the ark have? Had one door. It's on the side. How many ways were there to get into the ark? Just one way. You had to go up the ramp, get in the ark. How many ways can you get into God's family? Yeah, one way. And that one way is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, let me ask you this. When Noah was building the ark, did he ever warn anybody about what was going to happen? Or did he look around and go, man, I know something you don't know. Man, you guys, oh, it's going to be really bad. I'm glad I'm not you. What did Noah do? Well, this is from 2 Peter chapter 2. It says, Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. He told them a flood's coming. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Now, what does that mean for us? It means that like Noah, we have this responsibility, look at this verse, to warn the world of God's righteous judgment. And church, every Sunday we talk about the bad news and the good news, right? That's what the bad news is. It's warning the world of God's righteous judgment because the fact is that we're all people who have walked away from God's purpose and God's plan. That's because we come into this world with a sinful heart. And because God is holy and just, he can't just look the other way and say, hey, it's no big deal. Because of who God is, because of his righteous character, he has to punish every sin we've ever committed. And that punishment is to die and to be separated from God for how long? Yeah, forever and ever, for eternity. But because of God's great love, there's good news. And the good news is that God the Father, think about that. God the Father sends God the Son to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus lives the life that we could never live, and then he allows himself to be arrested and beaten and crucified. And on that cross, there is this amazing transaction that takes place. God's willing to put our sin on Jesus and punish him in our place. The wrath of God that we deserve is poured out on Christ, and he dies, and he comes back to life, and he says, hey, look, if you want a new life, Come and follow me. Repent and believe the good news. Believe that you're a sinner and you need a savior and I'm that savior. Trust in me, follow me, and I will give you a new life. Now, church, 
This is so important because we have a, a message for this broken, messed up world. And I remember Monday night, as I was talking to the students, I asked that question, well, what is the message of the church right now? And one of our high school students, a young man said, this is our message to the world. Hey, get on the boat. Exactly right, isn't it? Hey, get on the boat. Come into God's family. And how do you do that? By trusting Jesus Christ. You know, I suppose that every single one of us heard about what happened in Orlando last Sunday morning. I mean, the news coverage has been nonstop. And it was a tragic event. There's no, no doubt about that. When I first heard the news, I thought about some scenes that I'd been on when I was a firefighter and a paramedic and just how much chaos and confusion there is. And I thought, too, about the story of Noah because do you know why God sent the flood? This is really remarkable. Listen to these verses. Um, they're not going to be on the screen, but if you've got your Bible open, um, this is from Genesis chapter 6, verse 11. It says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, and here's why. For the earth is filled with violence. Is there a lot of violence in our world today? You bet there is, just like there was in the day of Noah. And this week, as I listened to the news coverage, as I listened to the, the commentators and the pundits and the politicians, I heard them talk about all these ways to reduce violence in our world, but not one time did I hear them address the fundamental problem with violence. And you know what it is? That the chaos out there is because of the chaos in here. The reason there is so much violence in this world is because of the condition of the human heart. Francis Schaeffer, the pastor and theologian, talked about man's inhumanity to man. And so the question is, I mean, what is the answer to the violence in our world? And you know what the answer is? The transformation of the human heart. I mean, that was the goal of Jesus' teaching, the transformation of the human heart. And what church is the only thing powerful enough to transform a heart? It's the power of God. Through the gospel, of Jesus Christ. And that's why the Apostle Paul, when he writes to believers in Rome, this is in chapter 1, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God for the salvation, for the complete rescue of everyone who does what? Everyone who believes. Everybody who trusts Jesus Christ. How many of you have ever heard this statement? The local church is the hope of the world. Have you ever heard that in this place? I remember one, um, one season we had softball jerseys that said that. The local church is the hope of the world. And church, you know that I believe that with all my heart. In fact, my intention for the rest of my life is to devote my time and my talents and my energy to the local church. Because I believe the local church is the hope of the world for two reasons. Number one, because of its message, but also because of its people. And listen, I'm not trying to be overly dramatic but I want you to do something this morning. Would you just look around the room? Just turn your head. Look at the people that are sitting around you, in front of you, behind you. Do you see those people? Do you realize if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, you are the hope of the world? You are. And you see, Jesus wanted people to understand the same thing. There was a time when Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said, you are the light of the world. And I suspect they went, what is he talking about? Us? 
How could we be the light of the world? But they didn't understand that, that Jesus was going to go home to heaven and he was going to send his spirit to live in them and that they would be his witnesses and they would change the world because Christ lived in them. And church, Jesus lives in you. By definition, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he lives in you by his spirit. And we have a message of hope that this world desperately needs to hear. This message that, you know what, there's hope because the human heart can be changed. I was, I was sharing with some guys in the worship team that my youngest son, John, just got involved with a prison ministry. And he was um, at a meeting on Thursday night and there were like 15 guys that had been released from, from prison. And the guy leading the group had been in prison for 10 years. And he came home and he said, Dad, I saw the power of God to change the human heart. We have a message that the world desperately needs to hear. So how do you proclaim that message? You tell people, hey, get on the boat. There's a safe place. Come inside the ark. Be reconciled to God. And by the way, there's only one way in, and his name's Jesus. And he's the one who can change your heart and change your life. And that brings us to this last principle about being a person of faith. Number five, a man or woman of faith refuses to give up. When you have faith, you just refuse to give up. Look at this verse. It says, when Noah was how old? 600 years old. He was 600 years old when the flood covered the earth. He went on board the boat to escape the flood, he and his wife and his sons and their wives. The famous preacher Charles Spurgeon said this one time. He said, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. Now, that's true. But I would add that by perseverance, Noah built the ark for the snail to reach. Because think about this. This is a massive structure. I mean, it's maybe close to 500 feet long. It's 300 cubits. And it's, you know, three stories tall. Can you imagine being Noah and getting up and going to work? I mean, it took him how long to build the ark? Over 100 years. Do you ever think he just said, you know what, this is, this is never going to happen. This is too hard. God, this is just too much. No, he got up every day and he went to work and he kept building the ark. And do you know why he did that? Because he was a man of faith. See, God told him, Noah, I want you to build the ark. Here's how big it needs to be to accomplish my purpose. And Noah believed that God would enable him to obey that command. Now, dads, what does that mean for us? Well, let me ask you this. Has God ever commanded you to build an ark? No, me either. Has God ever commanded you, dads, to build your family? Absolutely. I remember going to a family life conference and the speaker said this. He said, the, the best thing that a father can do for his kids is to love their mother. And all the moms said, yeah, preach it. <laughs> but you think about that. There's so much truth in that, isn't there? And there's a verse in the Bible. It's from the book of Ephesians. It says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, and lay down his life for her. So guys, I want to ask you a really honest question. And whatever you do, do not raise your hand. I want you to have a happy Father's Day. But it's an honest question, and it's simply this. Do you ever find it hard to love your wife? Now, some of you might say to yourself, well, no, man, she's so easy to love. I love her every day of my life and always will. There are other guys who might be thinking, well, you know, if I'm really honest, yeah, sometimes she's hard to love because of what she says or doesn't say or what she does or doesn't do, and sometimes I'm disappointed. And yeah, there are times it's hard to love my wife. And there are other guys, when I ask that question, is it ever hard to love your wife? And you're thinking, yeah, but it has, has nothing to do with her. It has everything to do with me.
Because when I look at this verse, it says, love your wife as Christ loved the church. I mean, that's a sacrificial love. That's an unconditional love. And that's really hard for me. Because when I look at, at my heart, it's so easy to be selfish. It's so easy to be self-centered and think it's all about me. So yeah, yeah, sometimes it's, it's hard for me to love my wife. So guys, what do we do? And here's the answer. As an act of faith, we keep doing the things that express love. We keep listening, we keep encouraging, we keep praying for our wives, we keep holding them and hugging them, trusting that God has the power to change our hearts. And guys, listen up. That's what men of faith do. That's what men of faith do. They refuse to give up. And let me say this, because every time I work on a Father's Day message, you know, I think about my own experience as a dad and now as a grandfather. I've got three grown children and six, my wife and I have six grandchildren. And I look back and there are times when I think, you know, I wish I had done it differently. I missed so many opportunities. I should have done this. I should have done that. Maybe this wasn't a good idea. And I look back and it's easy, guys, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, to have a heart that's filled with regret. But I'll tell you this, it's never too late. While there is life, there is hope. And let me share these, these words. We cannot go back and make a new start, but we can start now and make a new ending. And that is so true. And dads, here's something else. This is remarkable. Think about the effect that Noah's perseverance had on his three sons. Because they had to see, you know, dad going to work every day. It's like, do you believe this? I mean, He's going to work again? And imagine this. If you're a dad and you are faithful in your commitments to your wife, to your work, you're a guy who just keeps going because you know it honors God. Think about the dramatic impact that has on your kids and also the sense of stability and security that it gives them. That's the kind of guy, that's the kind of man that Noah was. Look at this verse. It says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Now listen, really fast, really fast, I want to give you four ways that you can be a man of faith, a person of faith. Are you ready? We're going to run through these. Here's the first, seek to know God. Seek to know God. Our verse of the week, if you've got your card, it says this, without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who what? Who's, who seek him, who earnestly seek him. God has promised, if you really seek for me with all your heart, you'll find me. So that's where it starts, seeking God with all of your heart and believing that he is going to come through. And you might say, well, Pastor Dudley, when's he going to come through? And I'd say, I don't know. How's he going to come through? I don't know. But if you seek him with all of your heart, I believe with all my heart that you'll find God. And then you'll realize that it was actually God who found you. So seek God. Here's the second thing. Seek to love God. Seek to know God and then seek to love God. The Bible says that we love, why? Because God first loved us. And if you ever doubt God's love, just look back to the cross and remember just how great his love actually is. Here's something else you can do to become a person of faith. Seek to trust God. Seek to trust God. Because listen, the better you know him, the more you love him, the easier it is to trust him. And realize this, that faith is a lot like a muscle. What happens to a muscle when you use it over and over again? Get stronger and stronger. When you use faith, when you actually step out in faith and say, I'm going to trust God 
to do this and you take a step of faith and you find out that God is faithful, what happens to your faith? It grows stronger. And some of you this morning have big challenges ahead of you, but you know what? You can look back and you see this track record you have with God. Yeah, God came through. He came through then and I know when I open my eyes of faith that he's gonna come through again. And then finally, church, seek to obey God. Seek to obey God. When my daughter... Elizabeth was a little girl. She had this bright yellow t-shirt that she would wear around the house. I think it was her favorite t-shirt. And on the front, it said this, nobody's perfect. And I can remember having conversations with Elizabeth, and I would bend down, and she would say, Daddy, nobody's perfect. Not even you. <laughs> Guys, I don't need to remind you of that. We know we're not perfect. But God wants us to seek with all of our heart to trust him and to obey him because when we do, we're setting an example for our families. And listen, when you blow it, go to your kids and tell them and ask for their forgiveness and let them see your heart to trust God. And dads, one, one final thing. I wanna encourage you to faithfully pray for your kids every single day. Pray that they will know God, pray that they will love God and trust God and obey God because listen, through your words and the example of your life, God has given you great influence with your sons and your daughters. You got this. Daddy! You got this. A hug might be You got this. Come on! You got this! You got this. Dear Jesus. You got this. I want to invite you into my heart. Let me just say this in closing, whatever kind of experience you may have had with your dad, I want you to know that as you think about the challenges in your life right now, 
there's a heavenly father who's right next to you. And he's saying, son, daughter, with my help, you got this. Let's pray. Father, thank you for that reminder that, that you're always there. You're the father who is close, the father who strengthens us and protects us and provides for us, who loves us like nobody else. And God, today on this Father's Day, I pray that if anyone here has understood for the first time that they need you, Lord Jesus, that today would be the day they would simply say in their heart, God, I, I realize I've done a lot of wrong things. I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and I want to trust Jesus. I believe that he died on a cross to pay for my sins, that he came back to life and I want to follow him and have a new life. God, thank you that that new life is possible. And Lord, for those of us who have made that decision to walk with Jesus, Lord, that doesn't mean that, that life isn't hard, it doesn't have challenges, because it does. But it means that we never walk alone. It means that there's a day coming when you are going to make everything right. But Lord, until that day comes, help us to remember that you're the God who is with us and you're the God who is for us. And Lord, as we listen to this last song, may you, God, encourage us with that truth.